right. Good morning, everybody. Good to see all of you today. I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to Second Peter this morning. We're going to be in the first chapter again today of Second Peter. It's great to see everybody. Hope you had a good week. We do have some of our folks out traveling this week. We will keep them in our prayers. And uh, always seeking to pray for one another. Lifting each other up to the Lord on a regular basis. Second uh, Peter chapter 1. And I'm going to read at verse 5. Today I'm going to share with you a message entitled, These Things Are Important. Alright, so in Second Peter chapter 1, I want to go ahead and read verses 5 through 11. Here's the word of the Lord. I'll actually, what I'll do is read through verse 15. It says there in 2 Peter 1, verse 5, But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're at verse 12. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it right as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be more careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. Our primary text today will be verses 5 through 11, but I wanted to read through verse 15 because it includes some verses there that has the phrase that we are keying on this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to You today because Your love and kindness is better than life. And because of that, Lord, our lips shall praise You. Father, we will bless You while we live. Father, I, I pray that our lives and our uh, minds, our bodies, our soul, our spirit will be sanctified to You. Father, I pray that we will sanctify the Lord God in our hearts. Lord, I pray that because of our uh, time together as a church, You would be more sanctified in our hearts and that we would help one another in that. Lord, we come as a people justified through faith in Christ. Lord, for those who have believed, justified, 
through faith in Christ. Lord, that meaning we are right before you. You've given us a right standing before you. While we are yet in our sinful state, Father, we regularly need forgiveness. And Father, we need your word to sanctify us as your spirit uses it in us. So please do so today. I pray, Lord Christ, be high and lifted up among us. And I pray that he be high and lifted up in each of our hearts. Thank you for everybody here. And Lord, I pray for those who aren't here. And I ask you to be with them. Pray for those who are watching online. Lord, I thank you for their faithfulness. And I pray you will bless them in their homes or wherever they might be as they join in our service today. God, in each life, be glorified, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Alright, so, so far, and I really took a dive into Second Peter here at the beginning of the year because I wanted to go to this passage because it's so good to help us get geared up for the new year to live faithfully for the Lord and to be reminded of some important things. And I really thought, you know, the church really needs to hear this. But the more I've gotten into it, I realize, no, Eric, you're the one who needed to hear this. So um, this passage has been very good for me, and I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for God using it in my own personal life. When we started here the first Sunday in uh, January, which is also the first day of the year, I shared with you a message entitled, The Divine Nature. And then the next week I shared with you a message that's entitled Foundation for a Precious Faith. That was last week. Now, we saw basically that the divine nature in verses 1 through 4 has to do or is not that we've become some little gods or anything like that, but being partakers or sharing in, communing in the divine nature means that we are living out lives of, uh, that are true life and godliness. Just as God has said that He has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So when we share in that, we are sharing in the divine nature because God is life. God is obviously godly. Christ is those things. And as we live them out in our lives, we are partaking of that divine nature. Last week, I talked to you about foundations for a precious faith. We talked about Faith not being a blind faith. Our faith is not a blind faith. It is a faith that is received. It is not generated. It is a faith that flourishes. It doesn't falter. And it is a faith that stands, but it doesn't stand alone. Um, And we noticed last week several places in this letter where it talked about knowledge, the importance of knowledge. And really, these things come from knowledge. We saw in verse 2 of chapter 1, that grace and peace would be multiplied to us in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. In verse 3, we see that this life and godliness comes through the knowledge of Him who called us. And He wants us to add to uh, our faith. One of the things was knowledge. We are to do all of these things so that we would not be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So knowledge is important. I came across a verse this week, again in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 6 and 7, that says this, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we for Him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. However, there is not in every one that knowledge. You see, as... Um, 
people in Christ who've embraced the gospel by faith. Um, and we did that only by the grace and mercy of our God. We are a people who have this knowledge about God. Uh, we have this knowledge about Jesus, but it is not a knowledge that everyone has. All right, so as we come into this passage, we're going to look at these things. You might have noticed it in the New King James Version. It's found four times in this passage. The difficult thing about having different translations in the congregation is, as a pastor, I feel like I have to know what every single translation says. And I'll just tell you all, I can't do it, okay? Uh, it's enough trouble for me to know what the New King James says that I use, much less what everybody else says. So yours may not have these things in there. I, I don't know. It may not be worded in the same way, but I want to show you what we find in the, in the New King James that I'm preaching from. Uh, you, you find this phrase four times in verse 5. He says, if these things are yours and abound. And then in verse 10, if you do these things, you will never stumble. Verse 12 says, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. And then in verse 15, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things. Now, what we want to do here is jump into this day and see if we can figure out what these things are. Because apparently in these verses, these things is quite important. They must abound in the Christian life. They will keep you from stumbling. They will. Um, are, it's necessary that Peter be not negligent, but diligent to remind them. And then um, he wants them to always have a reminder. See, he realized that he wasn't always going to be with them, and he had to had to do the best he could to shepherd them while he was there. All right. So um, here's what we're going to do. These things. Point number one. These things are listed and are to be added. There are handouts in the back if anybody needs them. These things are listed and are to be added. We're going to find this in verses 5 through 7. I've kind of hit at these a couple different times, but we're going to kind of walk through them a little bit more carefully today. Uh, verses 5 through 7, these things, and you find them there. There are eight of them if you include faith at the beginning. If you do not include faith, then there are seven that are to be added to faith. Okay? Now look at it there, please, in verse 5. It says, but also for this very reason. Alright? What reason? Go back to verse 4. Because we've escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And because He has given us precious promises in verse 4. Because... He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He says in verse 5, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence. All diligence. The idea here with the word diligence is that we are thoughtful, that we are purposeful, that we are working toward these things in our lives. He says give Giving all diligence, add to your faith. Uh, one translation says, supplement your faith. And then he gives these seven things. He says here, add to your faith. What does it say? Virtue. One translation says, moral excellence. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. 
to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. So it kind of looks like this. It's like um, an addition problem, and you have faith at the top, and you're adding to that faith all of these different things. Now, the faith there at the top is a precious faith. It is the precious faith of verse 1, where he says to those who have obtained like precious faith. Now, I want to ask you this morning, have you obtained like precious faith? Do you have a faith like Peter's? Do you have a saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? A like precious faith. So, he says to them, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Now, let's go through the list. The good thing about being in a, a church for a, um, a long period of time is that you can preach through things more than once. And if you mess it up the first time, you can hopefully straighten it out the next time around. Now, I have preached through Second Peter before. Uh, and that's not the reason I'm in Second Peter right now, because I, I, I needed to rework something. But I felt like the Lord wanted us to be here and to review some of the things that are found here. But when I first went through this passage, I was quite convinced that Peter had no purpose in the order of this at all. That it was just sort of uh, several things that he put here that were important, that the order wasn't really all that necessary. I've changed my mind completely on that. Uh, all right? I believe the Holy Spirit inspired Peter and that the order of these things is very important. It's important for us as we seek to live out our Christian lives and then reap the benefits that we'll find come with that. So let's work through these. Virtue. I've already told you about this, and I'm probably going to get hung up on this a little bit, but virtue is excellence. It means uh, goodness. Again, one translation says moral excellence. It's when something fulfills its purpose, like tool, like a tool, or like a, a land, like land, fulfilling its purpose. Virtue here indicates that the faith that we proclaim is working out in our lives with goodness and excellence. We were called in verse 3 by the Lord. He called us by glory and virtue. So there is this excellence that comes forth from us because of the faith that we have. The next word that we find there is the word knowledge. It's the word gnosis. It's G-N-O-S-I-S. And it means a discerning knowledge. It's a seeking to know. It's an investigation. And then as one commentator said, it's the ability to discern God's will and line one's life up with it. When we were going through Ephesians, a phrase stuck out to me in the book of Ephesians, I think it was in chapter 4, that we as Christians are living out our lives, finding out, here's the phrase, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. We are finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. So, uh, it's that knowledge, it's that understanding and knowing what the Lord wants of us and living it out. Now, that's where I would take a little break. If I were going to divide these up, I would put those first two by themselves and then go to the next section after this. But here's the thing that we need to ask ourselves and I want to ask you today. When we think about a virtue and knowledge and that that is to be added to our faith, we then need to ask ourselves, 
What are we taking in through the eye gate and through the ear gate in our lives? Are the things that go in through the eye gate and the ear gate of our lives that go into our hearts, are those things virtuous? Are those things in line with the knowledge of God and how He wants us to live out our lives? Now, you can think about the many things that we listen to, the music, the TV shows that we watch, maybe not TV shows anymore, but maybe, you know, Netflix or, or Disney Plus or, or whatever is out there, the um, programs that we watch and allow to entertain us, the news that, go, that we absorb, the entertainment that we latch onto, the movies that we indulge in and spend time, much time watching, uh, videos that we might watch that are readily available in various places online, the articles that we read, the books, the novels that we might read and spend time with, do these things reflect virtue and knowledge? Because we have lost our minds if we think that we're going to add to our faith virtue and knowledge and we're not trying to take into ourselves things that are virtuous and things that are knowledgeable according to what God says. Y'all understand? So, I don't want you to be fooled and I don't want myself to be fooled. You're crazy if you think you're going to spend time soaking all this stuff that's in the out in the world into your into your heart and mind, and then you're going to be able to live out a virtuous and knowledgeable life. You ever heard of that phrase, you are what you eat? I guess what that means is if you eat unhealthily, you're going to be unhealthy. If you eat healthy, you're most likely going to be healthy. I guess that's what it means. Alright, if you take in a bunch of worldly stuff, guess what? You're going to be carnal. You're going to be fleshly. If you take in spiritual things, if you do spiritual things, guess what? You're probably going to be more spiritual. You're probably going to be more heavenly minded. That's just the way it works out. So if we're going to add to our faith, we need to be disciplined and Careful in that. And that brings us to the next ones. You see that self-control? You see, uh, we, we want to strive to be virtuous, live an excellent life. And, and I would really challenge you to do this. This next week, with everything that you engage in, ask yourself, is this virtuous? Is this excellent? Is this good according to God's standard of goodness? Ask yourself that this week. Really Test yourself and examine yourself as you're going throughout your week. And I know the Holy Spirit will bring it to your mind to do that. So, the, those two first things, but then the, the self-control. Self-control, I'll just give you a definition of that. Self-control, or an explanation of it, it enables believers to balance the pressures of life and to resist the temptations of the world, especially sexual temptations. Because we have the world from without and the flesh from within that we are battling with. Paul said, in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. Galatians 5 says that the flesh wars against the spirit or lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh so we do not do the things that we wish. So there is a need for self-control. There is a need for us to be able to manage ourselves. 
You see, it takes self-control to maintain virtue and knowledge. It takes self-control to maintain virtue and knowledge. The next one is perseverance. Perseverance means to bear up under. Um, It may be uh, bearing up under persecution, mockery, illness, financial pressures, loneliness, all manner of affliction in our lives, chaos in our lives. Um, Those things from without, those things from within. But it takes perseverance to continue in self-control. You see, these do seem to actually work together. Virtue, because we're living out what we profess. Uh, Knowledge, we are continuing to understand what God wants of our lives, what is acceptable to Him. Perseverance, we continue in those, or self-control rather, because we are able to stay on task because we are practicing self-control. I mean, think about it. You ever went on a diet, like two weeks in, you're... No, sorry, that's giving us too much credit. Like two days in, two days in, you're like, you're done with the diet. You you went into the cupboard and you just started eating everything that you could get your hands on. That's a lack of self-control. You see, if we say we're going to be virtuous and we're going to add to our knowledge and understand those things and then we lose self-control, then we, we have no chance. Self-control is absolutely necessary. Perseverance, necessary. As Peter tells us here, we're add add these things to our faith. But the next one's godliness. And this is kind of what begins to happen here. You know, you go to the gym, you start working out, you need to maybe lose weight, tone up a little bit. If you only go there a week, it's not going to help you any. But if you keep on going, you keep on grinding it out, you keep on pumping the iron, you keep on uh, disciplining yourself, Using self-control, you keep persevering week after week. Eventually, you're going to start seeing things change. You're going to get stronger. You're probably going to appreciate the way that your body looks more and things like that and feel more uh, more comfortable and self-confident. But that's kind of the way it works here. And these four things, godliness is going to come after we've done the first four. And then we come to the last two. Brotherly kindness and love. And I just have to come back to that brotherly kindness again. I started an uproar a couple of weeks with this. And I've, I've been thinking about this a little bit more. I think the reason why I brought up that whole thing about just dropping by one another's house, showing brotherly kindness to each other, is wouldn't it be great if we were in actually in such a great relationship, such a brotherly relationship with one another, that we knew we could drop by, that we could stop by and fellowship, that we could stop by and say hello without it being a big uproar. Y'all kind of understand what I'm saying? The idea there behind all of that was we are knowing one another, loving one another, that we are in a familial relationship with one another because of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the degree that we can actually drop in. Now, there's been a lot of talk about that, and I'm not going to say any more about it right now. And then love. I told you that first week we got together that if we were to do all these other things, have the virtue, the knowledge, the self-control, the perseverance, the godliness, the brotherly kindness, if we're to have all these things, but then we forget to have love, then we've missed the mark. Peter wasn't, uh, it wasn't an accident 
that He put these at the end. He put them at the end because it would be just like us to think that we've achieved this great success and we've arrived and then forget to love each other. So He adds it on right there at the end saying at the end to brotherly kindness and then to brotherly kindness love. So we can't forget it. Now, uh, we've gone through all of that and you might ask, what do we get when we add all those up? Well, that's found in points 2 through 5. Okay? And I'll throw another little smiley face on there for you. Alright? So let's go to it. What do we get once we've added all these things up? Once you've taken faith in Jesus Christ, you are able to say that He is your Savior, that He has saved you by His righteousness, and that He has called you. Once we have that faith, and then we seek to add to it, we are not seeking to do it, but we're diligently, diligently adding it to our lives. What do you, what do we get from that? And they're found in these next verses. The first point is this. These things are listed and to be added. And then number two, these things make us useful and fruitful. All right? That's found in verse 8. These things make us useful and fruitful. And I'm going to go ahead and give you the next one. Verse 9. These things keep us seeing and remembering. Verse 9. Alright, we might as well go all the way. Verse 10. These things make us sure of God's saving work. And then last. These things allow us to be abundantly supplied. Supplied abundantly with entrance into heaven. Now, we will... Uh, spend some time working through this. What I do not finish this morning, we will conclude tonight at our 6 p.m. service. So that brings us to verse 8. These things make us useful and fruitful. So let's look at it. Please look at it in your Bibles. Let's make sure we're interpreting all this correctly. We've gone through our list of seven qualities that are added to faith. And then in verse 8, he says, For if these things are yours and abound. The word abound means that it increases more and more. Alright? Y'all think it's fair to say that these things should be rightly interpreted there as being the uh, seven qualities in addition to faith that are listed before it? Does that seem reasonable? For if these things are yours, what things? Faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. If these things are yours and abound, increase more and more. It's not like a stale pond or body of water that just is just calm, stale, nothing's moving through it, nothing's happening, but it is a flowing stream. He says, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful. Now, the word barren means ineffective. 
It's used in the Bible for the word idle. It's translated idle, lazy, refuse to work as a lifestyle. It's without thought. It's useless, ineffective, careless. That's some of the ways in which it might be interpreted or explained. So if these things that are found before in verses 5-7 through are yours, and they abound, you will not be useless, nor unfruitful. Unfruitful means, guess what that means? Without fruit. It means unproductive. It means you're not producing anything in your life of any spiritual good or of much spiritual good. You're going to be unfruitful. And what are we unfruitful in? We're unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Knowledge has been emphasized, as I've said already, in verse 2 and in verse 5. Um, verse 3. Peter is intentional here. The knowledge that we have about the Lord, about the Word of God, about salvation through Jesus, should not um, puff us up. But it should humble us and it should cause us rather to seek Him and to be diligent in our faith. And as we do that, by God's grace, we will, in the positive sense, be useful and fruitful. Let's go to the next verse, verse 9. Because that's where we see the next point, is that it will keep us seeing and remembering. For... He says in verse 9, for he who lacks, you know what? I missed it. There it is again in verse 9. For I completely missed that. For he who lacks these things, that should have been in the list. He who lacks these things is short sighted, even to blindness. In other words, they're nearsighted. Nearsighted to the degree that they are blind. But not only is he blind, but he has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Vance Havner, I saw this quote this week, said, If you are the same as you've always been, you are not a Christian. A Christian is a new creation in Christ. If you're the same as you've always been, you're not a Christian. Peter here is dealing with this and he's being real straightforward with his readers because he does not want them to be blind and he does not want them to forget. But what he's saying is, if you are not diligent to add to your faith, you're going to be like someone who is blind and has forgotten that God saved you. Now, what might he be referring to here when he says has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins? What cleansing, what, um, what ordinance do we go through that shows a cleansing? Baptism. It could be that they ha that he has in mind here their uh, baptismal profession, uh, because 
though they have been baptized in the name of the Lord, saying as it is said in Acts chapter 22 verse 16, Arise and be baptized and wash away your what sins, calling on the name of the Lord. That's what Paul was, Saul was told to do, who would be Paul. Ananias told him that. So that act of baptism, that ordinance that we go through, it is a, a picture. It is, um, as the Bible says, our being buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. So it is for us um, a cleansing and a washing for we are changed and different. Peter would talk about this in 1 Peter chapter 3 where he even says there, there is also an antitype which now saves us baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to Him. You see, even for us today sitting here, if you've been baptized in these waters at this church or somewhere else, you've been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, you are saying, you are confessing, you are professing through those waters that Jesus Christ has saved you, that the old man is buried with Him, you are raised up to walk in newness of life, and your your sins are cleansed that He has saved you. But then, folks, if we go out into our lives and we just live out a Christianity that is not diligently adding to our faith, we run the risk of falling into a category of people that is blind and that is forgotten that we were cleansed. By the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter does not want his readers. He does not want the recipients of this. To fall into that trap. Verse 10. And the next point says it will make us sure of God's saving work. Because he says therefore brethren. Now look at it because that's important. Therefore brethren. Okay. Therefore is therefore something. And it's because of verse 9. The, the reality that he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he is cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, because people who have forgotten these things, these who lack these things, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent To make your call and election sure. For if you do these things. You will never stumble. I'm going to get into call and election tonight. In our evening service. So I'm going to not deal with those terms right now. But we'll take a little bit of time tonight to look at that. But the reality is what he's saying here. Is if these things that are found in verses 5-7 through are yours. Then you can... Make your call and election sure. Do you know why most professing Christians doubt their salvation? It's because you're lacking these things. 
if you were not lacking these things, you would not doubt that God has worked in your life. But because you don't see evidence of it, you doubt whether God has worked in your life or not. And you become you become weak and impotent and don't live a confident Christian life. So he wants his readers, because of the possibility of this, be even more diligent. And then he says, those who are being more diligent at the end, if you do these things, you will never stumble. You don't have to worry about stumbling. You don't have to worry about falling away. You don't have to worry about some of the things found in chapter 2. Because you'll never stumble. Then the last point is this. And I'll cover these a little bit more tonight. Uh, I, need, I need to wrap it up because, you know, in the words of John Newton, I ran across this the other day. He says, when weariness sets in, edification ends. He was talking about preaching too long. He said, he said, I'd rather feed my people like chickens a little and more often than stuff them like turkeys being fattened for the slaughter. Okay, so uh, we're going to end here with this last point and we'll pick up at the end. Allow us to be supplied abundantly with entrance into his heavenly kingdom. He says there in verse 11, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I want to give you an illustration and then we'll end about diligence. A real life story. I was thinking about this because Charlie, my father-in-law, you know, you all know recently passed away and I was just thinking about some of the funny things that we all endured, endured, enjoyed together. Uh, that we went through together and the good, some of the good times. But one day we were leaving to go on a little fishing trip. It was me and him and some of the boys. We got in the truck and we were easing out of our uh, subdivision that we lived in, just easing up the road. And I noticed that there was a boy on a bicycle cruising down the road. He was kind of just coasting down the hill. And he kept on coming right toward me, so I stopped the pickup truck right in the middle of the road and waited. He got closer and closer, and I started blowing the horn at him. He kept coming closer and closer. Now, what he was doing was he was coasting down the road with his head down and earphones on. And he had music turned up loud. And he was coasting down the road, coming right at me in the pickup truck. I was in the pickup truck with the Charlie and the boys. So here he comes. We're sitting there, and I'm blowing the horn, blowing the horn. And he gets closer and closer to the truck. I'm blowing the horn. And Bam! He runs right into the front of the truck. He just topples over. And the funny thing that Charlie did, we were sitting there, and he said, you did all you could do. <laughs> he said, there's nothing more you could do. You did all you could do. In a moment, that guy got up, got back on his bike, kind of looked at us. I think he was probably quite embarrassed and took off riding on beside us. That's the illustration for what happens to us in our Christian life. We get on the bike of Christianity. We start coasting down the hill here in America. And we get our headphones on. We put our heads down. Enjoying the ride. And we forget to look. We forget to pedal. 
we forget to get out of the way of the truck. And see, that's not what God's calling us to. He's calling us to be diligent. And it's very important that we be diligent. Father, I thank You for Your Word today. Thank You for these things that we've been reminded of, that I need a reminder of. Perhaps all of us do. Uh, Father, I ask You, Lord, to use this passage uh, fresh in our lives. God, I pray You'd make it like we've never heard it before. And Lord, cause us to want to do it. Be like perhaps we were in the early days of our Christian life where we were excited about obeying You and excited about learning new things. Excited about being a follower of Jesus. Lord, maybe You'll use it that way in our lives, but use it. And Father, I pray that it would not just be a thing that happens for a week or two, But I pray we'll remember this for the rest of our lives and be diligent. In Jesus' name, amen.